This is a Soulfire production. Yo, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Connor Wanders. I am Connor, obviously. Chief Executive Wanderer, and I want to give a quick shout out to Anna and Megan. Thank you so much for joining that Politically Homeless community. If you feel that you are politically homeless, I've got a place for you, and it's inside of the Patreon of this show. (laughs) We have a good time in there. We have a good time. Not only do you get ad-free episodes of this podcast, but you get a bonus episode every week that is 100% crowdsourced from the Patreon community and available only to the Patreon community. And you get all the back episodes. So all the ones that have ever been done ever in the history of time are, are available for you in the politically homeless community. It's been an interesting week. Oh, by the way, this is the first episode that's going to have an actual ad in it. Somebody has mustered up the cojones to uh, sponsor this show. So be on the lookout for that. Unless you're in the Patreon community, in which uh, situation you will not be hearing that ad, but everyone else very much will be, and I will do my best to make it informative and entertaining. But anyways, we've had a crazy week. It's been a wild time. I kind of felt like I wanted to do more shows, but it's just been trying to keep up with everything that's going on and considering shifting the show to a Monday, Wednesday show with a premium being on Friday, like that just started starting to feel more and more right. But we got some news yesterday that Jeff Bezos is stepping down as Amazon CEO. I was going to cover it here, but it really doesn't change anything. It doesn't change much. Somebody who's been there since very early on, uh, who is the head of uh, Amazon Web Services, will be taking over. It's the same shit. Nothing's going to happen. You're still going to have your prime. I, I don't foresee anything going on there. What I do see happening may be similar to what Bill Gates did with Microsoft, and he will start, Jeff Bezos will start selling off some shares and diversifying his situation, becoming a more robust billionaire. I follow this this um, YouTube account called Economics Explained. And it was really, they broke down the the richest men in the world, rather the richest people in the world, but they're all men, um, in, our, in the United States anyways. And we look at this, this situation where you see Elon Musk now being technically the wealthiest person in the world, and Jeff Bezos as well. But in the whole scheme of things, they're really... What, what billionaires consider low-class billionaires. And that's because they don't have a very diverse um, set of assets. And they're really tied to one company. So if one company were to tank, they have a very fragile uh, position as far as their billionaire status. So when you look at someone like Bill Gates, who is what's considered a middle-class billionaire, uh, he's very diverse in his investments, and he's not tied to Microsoft very much at all anymore. Most of his investments are elsewhere, and they're kind of tied to the globalization and um, globalization of the planet and turning, turning us all into slaves. So that seems like to be a, a worthwhile investment. I should probably find some things to invest in that are essential in turning the entire uh, global population into slaves or just eradicating us entirely uh, in this great reset. So maybe I'll be here, maybe I won't, but either way, I'm going to try and get rich off of it. So I recommend that you do the same. Disclaimer, this is not financial advice and I'm not a financial expert. But yeah, we've had a, it's been an interesting week and, and it's been fun to watch. For the first, I'm actually really having a good time with 2021. 2021 has, has, I think, 
our expectations are so low after 2020. And the 2021's come along, and we've had some things we're going to talk about today with Robin Hood and the GameStop situation and seeing the way that that's been manipulated and <laughs> how we've found other ways to censor people on financial apps, which is very interesting. But it, we've, I think people are finally fed up. Like, everybody's fed the fuck up with this fuckery, and it's, it, it's, it brings me some hope. More hope than I've had in a long time. And for that, I am grateful. And if you want to give me some more hope, if you want to infuse hope into my life, one of the best ways you can do that is going over to Apple Podcasts and leaving a five-star review for this show. It, it just warms my cold little heart every time I get a new review. And I'm kind of like the Grinch. Maybe I just may, may grow my heart a little bit and I won't be so angry on this podcast when I talk about things that frustrate me. Maybe I can maybe I can soften up a little bit via your super kind reviews on Apple Podcasts. And another way to show support is to share this show on your social media. I really appreciate that. Whether it's just a screenshot or tagging me in something or, or whatever it is, helping me grow that audience on social media. I'm, I'm kind of fighting an uphill battle there as far as the things that I talk about are a little spicier than what Instagram enjoys sharing. So I am 100% reliant on you guys to share the show and help grow the show. I've tried to buy ads before just to see if it would work. doesn't work. They don't want it. <laughs> they, they, don't, they don't want my $8 for, uh, for an ad run. Facebook doesn't need it, but I need you. And the bigger the audience is, the more we can do, the more productive we can be, the more content we can make. And that's 100% reliant on you. So let's go ahead and get into it. It's time for the state of things. And we got a long one today. We got more topics than usual because it's been a wild week. The logical place to start today. The logical place to start today is with GameStop and Robinhood and all of that fun stuff. And there's an approach to be taken to this. Now, I'm going to go ahead and say this. If you want to learn about the financial aspect of this, if you want to learn about what was going on, why Robinhood did what they did, all of that fun stuff, that's not my area of expertise, obviously. I do do pretty well in the stock market with my nickels and nickels and pennies that I put in there, but that's usually just because the market's super unstable and this is, we're in a boom bust cycle and it's pretty obvious that if Tesla drops 30%, it's probably going to go back up. So that's, that's really my, that's really my uh, financial approach to the stock market. But I will tell you that the all in podcast with Chamath Palihapitiya, who we're going to hear from today in the show, um, is a great does a great job explaining. One of those guys on that podcast is actually an investor in Robinhood, so he's um, involved in that process. And Chamath, of course, is almost like this billionaire populist, which is very interesting to see. May end up being the governor of uh, California if Gavin Newsom gets recalled, which could be really interesting and something I'm watching closely, uh, and we'll likely talk about this next week because this whole thing with Gavin Newsom is getting really interesting. But <clears throat> games. <coughs> Excuse me. GameStop. All right. So here's kind of what happened. These hedge funds, a handful of hedge funds, had shorted GameStop and the Redditors and Wall Street bets uh, noticed this short because it is public information and then drove the stock price up. The way a short works basically is that you're, you're selling a stock 
without actually owning it, you're borrowing it, and then you're committed to buy that stock. So the losses that you can incur on a, on a short are, are infinite, really. You can just keep losing money as long as the stock goes up because you're forced to buy that stock at a higher price. People short things because they think the price is going to go down, and they can sell that stock at a lower price than what they borrowed it for and reap those margins. That's a very simple way of looking at it. Honestly, didn't understand that until just the other day. So if I did anything, if I said anything wrong and you know better, let me know. But that's kind of what we had, the situation we had. And we had this Wall Street's bet situation on Reddit where there was like 2.2 million people in there. And they fucked over these hedge funds. Hedge funds lost over 50% of their uh, market cap. It was just crazy. It was just, it was a crazy situation, really fun to watch. I actually lost money on the, on the GameStop thing because I got in a little bit late. But... You know, I'll lose a couple hundred bucks uh, to risk. You know, I'll risk a couple hundred bucks to try and make a few thousand any day of the week. I grew up gambling. That's kind of my mindset. So uh, no big deal there, uh, but super fun to be a part of it. Uh, and I just think I just paid for the story at the end of the day. So some really fun stuff has come out of all of this. And it's been so interesting to watch it all, watch it all play out. But this came up on Twitter the other day. So this guy, Daniel Singer, said he bought a cameo from the real Wolf of Wall Street to recreate the speech for the movie. So if you're familiar with the speech, the movie where I'm not fucking leaving that whole thing, this is that, but this is the guy who inspired the movie, the Wolf of wall street. You got to check this out. It's super, super funny. Real Wolf of wall street. This is to all you wall street betters, Robin hooders, day traders. It's a message of love, respect, support, most importantly, encouragement, because you all need to hear this right now. And so does Wall Street. You know, for years, for years I've been telling you guys to never take no for an answer, right? To never stop trading. To hold the line. To keep squeezing the fucking testicles of those dastardly short sellers until you get what you want. Because you all deserve it. To never stop squeezing them by the balls until they're forced to either buy or die. And now, this shit that Robin Hood is pulling on us now, stopping us from trading, barring us from their platform, our home, the home that we built. What the fuck is that, you know? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what it is. It's Wall Street. It's the hedge funds. It's fucking Robin Hood being fucking hypocrites. That's what it is. It's them trying to squash us, the little guy, to put us all back in all places instead of the other way around like we've been doing to them. So, you know what, Wall Street? You know what, Robin Hood? We're not leaving. We're not leaving. We're not fucking leaving! <laughs> the show goes on! This is our home! They're gonna need a fucking wrecking ball to take us out of here! They're gonna have to send in the National Guard and fucking swat me because we All right, so that's the will. That's the real Wolf of Wall Street's take on this. Now let's jump into um, <laughs> Jamath Balapatia's analysis of what's going on. This was on CNBC. Next guest, he tweeted 
on Tuesday that he'd gone long through call options. Chamath Palihapitiya is the CEO of Social Capital. He joins us now on the phone. Chamath, thank you for being here. Hi, Scott. How are you? I'm good, thanks. So you tweeted yesterday that you bought $115 calls in GameStop. Can you tell me what your position is as of this very moment? Yeah. Um, can I, can I uh, tell you a little story before all of that or no? Why don't you tell me that first and then we'll go from there. So this morning I woke up after spending all time, <clears throat> all last night in Wall Street bets, reading about all of this stuff. Um, <clears throat> I ended up closing up my position this morning and I wanted to announce that I'm taking all the profits that I made plus my original position. So I'm going to take $500,000 and I'm going to donate to the Barstool Fund for small businesses. Um, but I really want to tell you beyond the 500 grand um, donation or the, the money that I invested, which was, you know, not a huge amount in the grand scheme of that stock or the entire market, what I learned, because I think what I learned over the last couple of days is important for everybody um, that's watching CNBC. And that is? I think that what you're seeing is um, essentially a pushback against the establishment in a really important way. Yeah, no shit. You have a lot of people, and I would encourage anybody who is dismissive of this thing to go into Wall Street Bets and actually just read the forums. And I think that you're going to see three kinds of posts. The first kind of content are a lot of people doing some incredible fundamental diligence on companies, trying to think about long-term value. And in my opinion, many of them are doing as good and, frankly, a better job than a lot of hedge fund analysts that I work with. That's number one. Let's just analyze that real quick. <laughs> this this is Chamath Palihapitiya. He has some of the best hedge fund analysts in the world on his team. Like he, he, this guy is known um, for being incredibly savvy when it comes to finances. And this is one thing that I want to look at. We have a lot of people out there saying that these uh, investors on Wall Street bets are unsophisticated because they don't, didn't go to, I don't know, wherever, some Ivy League school or don't have some finance degree. It's the idea that you can't learn and develop a skill set in a very focused discipline like finance um, on your own, online, is incredibly naive and just really self-righteous. So you have all these people saying, I don't really think that these 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 uh, retail traders have a fundamental understanding of what they're doing. That is so incredibly condescending and short-sighted, it, it makes no sense. And I, and I love that Chamath gives these guys credits for, even though they use like crass language and they're kind of idiots, but in, in like a fun way, they're like jabbing at each other and talking shit. Like, that doesn't mean they don't know what they're doing. And they don't mean they don't understand the fundamentals of the market. And that you heard, I've heard that a lot, especially just researching this on CNBC, is people being super frustrated. And we're going to get into a little bit of that, that later on with Leon Cooperman. But seeing this and, and thinking that this is just a bunch of idiots uh, doing something that's, that's meaningless is, is looking at this through a, a really, really hazy lens that makes really no sense at all. The second are a lot of people who believe that, you know, coming out of 2008, what happened was Wall Street took an enormous amount of risk and they left retail as the bag holder. And a lot of these kids were in grade school and high school when that happened. They lost their homes, their parents lost their jobs. And they've always wondered like, why did those folks get bailed out for taking enormous amounts of risk and nobody helped and showed up to help my family? And then the third thing is a realization that instead of having idea dinners or you know, quiet, whispered conversations amongst hedge funds in the Hamptons. These kids have the courage 
to do it transparently in a forum. And I'm not saying all of it is perfect by any means, but I think it takes um, an enormous amount of faith in the system to be that transparent, to talk about things, and then for each individual to make their own mind up and to do things, whether it's to buy and to sell. So we look at that. That's that's now that's Shamath Palihapitiya's approach. Now I want you to look at the difference between him, who's a new billionaire. I think he was employee number six or eight at Facebook. Um, that's where he made his billions. And now let's look at hedge fund manager Leon Cooperman, who has uh, actually been fined for insider trading before. Didn't you know? He, he plead out of that deal and paid his fines and he did, did his thing. Let's look at his approach to handling Wall Street bets and those and those traders. Just as just as a point of contrast here. The reason the market is doing what it's doing is people are sitting at home getting the checks from the government. Okay, and this fair share is a bullshit concept. It's just a way of attacking wealthy people. And, you know, I think it's inappropriate. We all got to work together and pull together. So his, his approach here is that this is just a bunch of lazy people in their basement, in their mom's basement, getting checks from the government and throwing it into the stock market without any idea of what they're doing. Do you see how that just writes people off and makes people feel super like that just perpetuates the problem of everybody hating, hating these hedge funds? Like this is not, this is not complicated as far as how this is all taken place and to look at this and and to write it off as completely just idiocracy is is beyond me how you can how you cannot see this truth that's right in front of your fucking face and you look at this and you have these type of hedge fund managers and some there there were so many people like this that were that were that were talking down to the wall street's bets crowd and at the end of the day there's so there's so much nuance to this and so much so many complicated uh, moving parts to this whole thing. But when you look at what Robinhood had to do as far as limiting trading, that obviously changed things a ton. If they wouldn't have done that, this would still be going on right now, I believe. And other trading platforms limiting trading in in the in the GameStop stock and other stocks as well. Like it's it's a pretty long list now of stocks that they've limited trading on, which keeps people from being able to drive the price high by buying exorbitant amounts of stock. So. With this whole thing, you have two different billionaires looking at this thing from completely different angles, and one I feel is productive in Chamath, and then Leon here is just writing everybody off and being incredibly condescending and then rolling in that billionaires having to pay their fair share in taxes is a bullshit concept, and it's just a way to attack wealthy people. So you have somebody taking a very productive stance and then somebody playing the fucking victim, and nobody in this fucking country hates anything more than billionaires playing the fucking victim. Like, what do you think we feel sorry for you? And even Chamath's analysis of this saying that a lot of these people who were in Wall Street bets were kids during the 2008 crisis and saw what happened and saw how rigged this system is and how broken it is and how these motherfuckers get bailed out, but everybody else gets left holding the bag and all these foreclosures. When you look at the simple numbers of it, that during the 2008 housing crisis, they could have taken the, the, the federal government, the Obama administration, could have taken the same amount of money they used to bail out all of these financial institutions they would have taken that same amount of money and put it towards writing the ship as far as mortgages go. They could have made everybody solvent. They could have healed the situation with the people or tried to, or, or bailed out the fucking industry. And what they did was they bailed out the industry because they didn't want to reward homeowners that took out subprime mortgages for bad behavior. That was the logic. And does that make any sense to you? Does that make any sense at all? And to think that people aren't incredibly frustrated right? And that's, that kind of shit is where we get a Donald Trump. Okay. That kind of shit is where we get a Bernie Sanders. And to think about this, like you have Donald Trump as this idea of, of a, a fuck you to the establishment, 
right? That's what he is. To a lot of us who look at this say, hey, you can think that everybody who voted for him is deplorable or a racist or whatever. That's That doesn't make any real sense. But if you want to believe that, that's fine. And you can think that everybody who voted for Bernie Sanders or supported Bernie Sanders is a radical left socialist. If you want to believe that, that's fine. But you're missing the entire picture of both of those candidates being a fuck you to the establishment. And when you look at that and think about what that means on a larger scale, it, it's a lot of speculation, right? We can all sit here and, and hypothesize about where Trump and where Bernie came from and why they became so popular. But now what we have in this Wall Street's bet, Robin Hood, GameStop situation is a tangible fuck you to the establishment. A ta- Here's the numbers. You want fucking numbers? We tried to show you with Trump. We tried to show you with Bernie that we don't fucking like this shit. And this is anti-democratic and it's, it's a problem. So to see that and to see it be projected onto the fucking stock market and to see these guys squirm while they're getting fucking robbed just brought so much joy to my heart because we now have a quantifiable fuck you. There's no speculation. That's exactly what this is. And I absolutely love it. Now, there's a lot of things that can be said about how Robinhood handled this and could have handled it better. They should have taken the hit and let trading go on because that was their mission statement to their uh, to the people that were on their service. Now, that's not their client. If we get down into the weeds about how Robinhood works, they're actually their clients are hedge funds. It's something a lot of people don't know. Their clients are hedge funds. So Robinhood works for hedge funds. Now, if you're a trader on Robinhood, you are the product, not the client. So they're taking your trading data because it's a free platform and selling that trading data to hedge funds so that hedge funds can make more informed decisions on what they want to do with their investments. So they're using your data. So their data data selling is what they're doing when it comes to the market. So when you look at it that way and you think about firms like Citadel who were actually uh, facilitating these trades, these micro trades, well... In that situation, you've got a place where they, the, the client, the actual clients of Robinhood are being injured by this trading, and they shut the shit down, and the SEC probably jumped in there as well. Robinhood handled it super poorly. And then you have hedge funds who have incredible PR teams going into these Reddit forums and the Discord servers, screenshotting things that they considered hate speech, and then having those shut down. So they would screenshot something that looked like one of the most, they just go find something egregious on there because it's a kind of a, an open platform. And they would say, this is what's going on in these pages. Uh, send them to Reddit, send them to Discord, and shut them down. That's also super fucked up because one of the things that these guys do in these in these forums is they call they, they refer to themselves as retards. Right, so they can take that and make that hate speech. They do all kinds of dumb shit in there. It's it's goofy, and it's a bunch of kids. It's a bunch of kids, mostly male, who are just shooting the shit like dumb young men do. And it's locker room talk, if you will. So the the amount of fuckery that happened after this whole explosion it says a lot about where we are with censorship, where we are financially, who, which side the government stands on. And then you have Elizabeth Warren just... Just what what the fuck is she doing here? Talking about how this is a problem and and it just she's, just, she's such a fraud. I, that woman drives me fucking crazy. Like she's just a fake populist. It's, just, it's just the equivalent of Trump in a lot of ways, as far as her pretending to give a fuck. Anyways, I love it. I think it's great. I wanted to break a little bit of that down and share some of this because we're kind of on the backside of it now, but a really interesting situation and a lot of learning that will be done from this from now into the future. Do not let go of this. Remember this. This is a really interesting experience, and I'm so grateful that we got to live through it, and I haven't said those words in quite some time. 
Well, our good old friend Marjorie Taylor Greene is back in the news, and this is fun. I, here's the thing. This is, <laughs> this is blown out of proportion for sure, but also this woman's just crazy. Like, this broad is just out of her fucking mind. And I've been researching this morning. What I did was just try to find old videos of Marjorie Taylor Greene, which are actually kind of hard to find. Uh, they did a, they done a good job of getting those uh, off the internet, so I had to had to piece some things together here. But we're going to get into exactly what's going on. Uh, Mitch McConnell has spoken up finally about Marjorie Taylor Greene, says that her loony lies are a cancer on the GOP. Senate Minority Leader didn't name Congresswoman, but the remarks were clearly directed at the QAnon supporter. Let's get through a little bit of this here, and this is from The Guardian. Mitch McConnell, the top Republican in the U.S. Senate, has intensified pressure on the extremist Georgia Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, calling the loony lies and conspiracy theories that she endorses a cancer for the Republican Party. In a statement to The Hill on Monday, McConnell did not name Greene personally, but his excoriating attack was clearly targeted at new member of Congress who is a fierce supporter of Donald Trump. Her embrace of the racist conspiracy theory QAnon and other extreme positions is calling is causing turmoil among among Republican lawmakers and across Congress. And this is a quote from McConnell says somebody who suggests that perhaps no airplane hit the Pentagon on 9-11, that horrifying horrifying school shootings were pre-stage and that the Clintons crashed JFK Jr.'s plane are not living in reality. In keeping with her defiant rejection of any criticism, Green immediately immediately fired back at McConnell through her Twitter feed saying the real cancer for the Republican Party is weak Republicans who only know how to lose gracefully, she said. Wow. So just in case you're not familiar with Marjorie Taylor Greene and what some, th- some of the things that she said, um, I'm not going to play the video here, but she was hounding one of the survivors from the Parkland shooting. Um, ask, you know, She thinks the Parkland shooting and the Sandy Hook shooting were both false flags. Her stuff, and the funny thing is, I fuck with conspiracy theories, right? Like I get into some of this stuff, and there are a lot of inconsistencies about 9-11. And I think everybody, everybody listening to this, everybody in the world, you're entitled to a few conspiracy theories, right? Like, for example, I knew about Jeffrey Epstein years before most other people talked about it because of Alex Jones, right? There are some things that get t- spoken about in these circles that actually come out to be fact and true and real. Is most of it doubtful, but you can't just, you can't take them all, right? Because by default, the conspiracy theory is kind of a a, 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 t- a right turn or a left turn from the most logical conclusion. Now, you can do that once or twice and be fine, right? But you can't just keep doing that. If you keep doing that, you just keep taking left and right turns away from the most logical conclusion. Well, then you end up in like La La Land, and that's where, that's where Marjorie Taylor Greene lives. So let's just get a few things here that she has said publicly just so we can see kind of what she's about and what people are what people are so up in arms about and then we'll break it down if we have a sea of people if we shut down the streets if we shut down everything if we flood the capitol building flood all the government buildings go inside these are public buildings we own them we own these buildings do you understand that we own the buildings and we pay all the people that work in the buildings that was right before January 6th. Of course, that did not age well, and that is something she's getting uh, hounded for. Now we got a little compilation here from the Majority Report. Let's see what else she had to say. There is an Islamic invasion 
into our government offices right now. Okay, they are you. You saw after midterm elections what we saw so many Muslims elected. I don't know. I don't know the exact number, but there were quite a few. Hmm. What we had that woman out of Minnesota. Now she's going into Congress and she's got to wear a head covering. You know. Okay, really, really, bitch. Come get the fuck over yourself. They want to put their hand on the Quran and be sworn in. No. Who cares? It's a fantasy book just like yours, lady. You have to be sworn in on the Bible. But we have an Islamic invasion into our government offices. Now, yes, we have, I'll say this, we have freedom of religion in this country. Oh, do we? <laughs> that protects anyone to have, you know, have any kind of a religion that oh, they with, want. With the eye roll, if, you, if you're just listening audio only, slight little eye roll with freedom of religion there. That's that's cute. And that's that's great. That's one of our freedoms, right? But I'm sorry, anyone that is a Muslim that believes in Sharia law does not belong in our government. But the <laughs> Okay, <sighs> why? Why put your foot down there? Why? What does that what what does that cause? It panders to your fucking base, I guess. But at the end of the day, what who did like if I was going to be sworn in, I wouldn't be sworn in on the Bible because the Bible doesn't mean anything to me. It's a book, right? And I know many of you out there disagree with that, and that's fine. I respect that as well. And if you run for office, you can be sworn in on the Bible. But it doesn't like you need to be sworn in on the book that means something to you. Right? Whatever that book is. Whatever that religion is, whatever that belief system is, be sworn in on the book that will hold you accountable. That's the reason you get sworn in on some kind of scripture, not because it's what you want, Marjorie. Generations of black and Hispanic men, do you want to know what holds them down? Oh, well, tell me. Gangs. Being in gangs That's and it. dealing drugs is what holds them down. The <sighs> lack of education is what hold, holds them down. That's That's not a a white person thing, but gangs mm. control them. They, they tell them, they tell the young men Jesus in their communities, God. don't go to school. Don't you know? Don't Who you, is don't they? you move out of this. Who is they? Like they tell them the gangs tell them what you're putting. Like, this is so silly. She gets to like gangs and just stops as if there's no further investigation needed to understand the problems within black communities. Like, are you, are you like where you come from in Georgia? I'm sure meth is a huge problem. We could say the same thing about people that are slanging meth and the gangs and the white supremacist groups and the, and whoever else is slanging drugs there. Like it's all the same. It's the same problem with the same, with the same under my underlying issues. And you're going to stop there. That's, that's where your logic ends as that gangs. You don't further investigate that any further to try to figure out why ask why a few more times you dumb bitch out of this project don't you move out of this community you join this gang and that's where you <laughs> where the fuck would they move the president that you support didn't want low-income housing outside of the fucking inner cities so where are they gonna go do they have any options elsewhere no that's one of the reasons i fucking voted for joe biden is because trump was so anti in low-income housing or affordable housing in the suburbs which is a great way to get out of this type of cycle but if you don't have any affordable housing elsewhere which by the way is not problematic i don't give a shit what anybody says that's fucking so silly that he's ruining the suburbs suck my dick dude are you fucking serious anyways where are they gonna go where are they gonna go in california where are they gonna go like you're gonna buy a six million dollar two-bedroom house get the fuck out of here you belong with us. The gangs are holding them back. It's not white people. Take no responsibility. It's, it's crazy. A joke. I mean, that's the She's a joke. People are going to come at me in the YouTube comments. They always do about when I talk about this woman. She is a 
joke. She's not a public servant. She does nothing but to serve herself and serve Donald Trump by espousing ridiculous things. And she said all kinds of, all kinds, all kinds of crazy shit. Now, here's the problem. Here's the pro- Here's why we're even talking about this dumb broad, right? So I'm in this situation where I look at this and I try and zoom out a little bit. The reason she's become part of the, of the narrative is because they lost the orange man. Okay. CNN's t- ratings have tanked 44%. We lost the, we lost the orange man. Let's find somebody else. It's going to be Fox News. We're going to talk about that later in the show. It's Marjorie Taylor Greene. They're just going to keep find they need a new villain. They need a new villain, right? Like a Batman movie when when Heath Ledger died, right? You need a, you need a new villain. And they they're finding inadequate villains to fill that vacuum. And this is one of them. So, we're hearing all this we're we're, we're elevating this idiot to a higher place because CNN and MSNBC need a villain to talk about. Because they've conditioned the American population that you need to be scared of something or someone or some idea constantly, as if it's the Red Scare still, if still if we're like as if we're in the Cold War, and it's focused towards Republicans. So now any now the next narrative is gonna be any Republican is basically Marjorie Taylor Greene, which is by no means true. By no means true at all. I would say the majority of Republicans think this lady is a kook in the same way that any of us do. Right? So when we get in this situation. We're seeing the same story. Now you have a less, you have a weak villain with no real ground to stand on. And it's, what are we going to do here? Right? Like this woman's a crazy lady and they're going to, they may boot her out of Congress. That would be probably helpful. But at the end of the day, they're just making her out to be some kind of powerhouse, which she very much is not. She's a freshman Congresswoman is unlikely to get reelected and to, and to put them on the defense just gives them more attention and more airtime. That's the reason that Trump got elected in the first place. They did that with him during the Republican primary and the motherfucker won because of that. And they don't ever, these fucking media companies either don't care, do it on purpose, or just don't reflect on their actions at all to see that what they're doing does not work. It actually does the opposite of what they're pretending to do, which is just incredibly problematic. So we have this 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 democratic media establishment that needs to find a villain, and they find it in some woman who who can't even back up these completely ridiculous, unsubstantiated conspiracy theories, and then she thinks that she's making Christians look good and supporting the Second Amendment. Listen, Marjorie, if you're listening to this right now, you are not helping the Second Amendment. You are hurting the Second Amendment. There are people out there that do a good job breaking down the Second Amendment. I've got H.R. 127 right here. I'm a pro-Second Amendment Democrat, okay? If you're going to put me on, on, on the, on the pro-Second Amendment left, which is a very, few small, a very small portion of us that are in that world, okay? I can't call myself a Democrat anymore because of what the Democratic Party has been doing, but it is a little bit of a, a, um, a habit. <laughs> Anyways, so... This woman thinks she's doing good by Christians and by people who, who appreciate the Second Amendment. She's not. She's hurting all of it. She's making all of it look bad. And that's why I take it personally, because she's taking something that I care about, and I think there's a pragmatic solution. There's pragmatic gun reform that can be done, and I think we need to work together to make that happen in a way that makes sense for everybody, and that is possible. It's one of the few things in this country that where it is possible to find some kind of common ground, deregulate, increase regulations in certain areas. There's ways to go about doing it. And this lady is just spouting this bullshit and running around with AR-15s in her fucking ads as if that's helping anybody. It makes us all look bad. It gives the anti-gun people more ammunition, pun intended, to come at us. And this is this is 
this is just drive, it drives me fucking crazy. Why why are you doing this? Are you that fucking stupid? Oh, it, it it kills me. But anyways, Mitch McConnell's coming at her. We'll see what happens. And Mitch McConnell is, for all of his faults, is incredibly good at political political calculus. So he would not be doing this if he didn't have a way to move forward with it. He 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 is he's like a poker master at at blocking things or getting things done in the Senate. He's he's great at it. I hate the guy more than I hate Donald Trump, but. He's good at it, and you have to give credit where credit is due. Marjorie Taylor Greene is a problem for the left and the right for so many reasons, and it's it's she's toxic, like she is. She's a toxic human being who is brainwashed into thinking that these ridiculous conspiracy theories they're the foundation of her reality. When conspiracy theories become the the foundation of your reality, you have a problem. It's not a problem to question things. It's not a problem to do your own research. But when you worship Q and you have hour and a half long Facebook lives talking about breaking down in detail Q Q drops and how that relates to Trump and how the similarities between the writing of Q and the writing of Trump on Twitter, these crazy fucking things, and you're harassing people who were the survivors of school shootings, that's a problem. Yeah, you know what? I don't I don't fault someone who's a survivor of a school shooting where AR-15s were used. For being anti-gun. If there's anybody out there that can be anti-gun, it's the survivor of a fucking school shooting. And the the idea that you can go assault that person, harass that person, is so egregious. You're a fucking coward and a joke, and that's all I've got to say about her. I cannot stand this woman. It just, she she's the worst, she's the worst part of America, in my opinion. Here's the deal. You're probably dehydrated, okay? And you're probably snacking too much. Maybe you're a little unsatisfied with your level of health, well-being, and optimal hydration. I mean, come on. Come on. Now, here's the deal. Our new sponsor is Elemental Labs, and they've created an electrolyte powdered drink mix. Now, most of the time when you see something like this, I'm going to be honest with you. It's bullshit. But this was developed by Rob Wolf, one of the pioneers of the paleo diet and an advocate for fasting. And and there's so many things that go into this, right? So every day I wake up, I drink coffee and element, right? I make a big jar of element. I got it right here. And I drink that with my coffee, usually before my coffee. And the thing is, it one, it helps me kick breakfast. I don't usually eat breakfast. It's very rare that I eat breakfast. I like to go until about 12 or 1 before eating any food. And at night, maybe when I've smoked a little weed, I get a little snacky, a little, sn- a little snackier than I would like. And Element is in so many varieties of flavors, right? From lemon habanero, which is my favorite, to raspberry, to lime. Uh, they also have a chocolate version. What it does for me and I'm going to speak personally here because it does a lot of things, is one, it gets me drinking more water, which I love. And two, it curves cravings, right? So instead of having some kind of snack late at night, I'll just make an element, mix it in water, drink that. One, I'm getting super hydrated. Two, I'm not I'm not eating any more than I need to. And I'm not letting the weed dictate my nutrition, right? Which is never, in my opinion, never a really great idea. Now, there's a lot of people who use this. We got Navy SEALs, um, FBI snipers. Like we got a lot of people that are using this, Olympic teams, NFL teams, NBA players and coaches. But at the end of the day, we aren't any of those things, right? I don't think I have any snipers or NBA players on my uh, listening to this podcast, but everyday 
people love this stuff. If you like to work out, if you like to fast, if you're into keto or carnivore-style dieting, electrolytes are something that you're going to desperately need. You're going to feel better. If you have ever tried, if you ever tried keto and had that like keto flu situation, it sucks, first of all. And that's usually due to electrolyte deficiency. So if you're sweating, if you're moving, if you're getting out, if you're one of those people that likes to hike and get into the backcountry and do some wild things like I do, I love having this stuff on hand. It comes in a really easy packet. It's easy to mix. It tastes delicious, and you can even mix. I love the lemon habanero with um, with tequila. Make a little, you know, a little healthy, like a little healthy margarita, like a little skinny margarita, like the basic bitch that I am. But I love this stuff. I, I cannot rave about it enough. I drink it at least once a day. And when I hit that sauna, oh, get 30, 45 minutes in the sauna at 200 degrees, maybe hit the ice once or twice in that little mix, and then I hit that element. Oh, dude, I can't explain to you the way it feels. You know whenever you've had, like you're really, really thirsty, really thirsty, and you drink some really cold water and you can just feel it absorbing into your body? That's how it feels to drink Element. And they've got this really cool offer for all of our listeners, okay? So go to Drink Element. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com slash Wanders. The link's going to be in the show notes, obviously. You're going to get an eight-pack sampler of Element for just five bucks. So you're just paying the shipping. You get to try this stuff out. Of course, it's totally risk-free. There's eight packs in there. They've got lemon. They've got the unflavored version raspberry, which is really, really good. Like they're mixing all those together. So you get to try it out at a really low risk. So one, it supports the show. This, these, these, this is the kind of sponsor that I want to keep for a long time. So if you guys go check this stuff out, we get to keep them on the show because I love this. I literally every show I've done for the past two months, at least I've had elements sitting next to me. Element and cold brew. It also helps me, I do drink a lot of coffee, it helps me feel less bad for drinking as much coffee as I do. So if you're a big-time coffee drinker and you like to work out, this is your stuff. Sometimes I'll throw it in. If I'm going to the gym in the morning, I'll drink. I'll mix it in my water before the gym. I love, love, love this shit. So check them out, guys. Again, this was developed by Rob Wolf, the author of The Paleo Solution and just a pioneer in alternative health at the end of the day. You're probably dehydrated. You need this stuff. It's going to get more water in your mouth hole, and it's going to absorb that water even better. Most electrolyte mixes don't have the optimal ratio. Don't go buy Propel or Gatorade. You don't need that shit. You don't need that sugar. This is no sugar. We got no artificial anything, really. No gluten, no fillers. And it's paleo and keto friendly, of course. Of course. Now, if you want to go ahead and pull the trigger on a full order, you're also going to get free shipping and no questions asked, refunds, or cancellations. That's drinkelement, D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com slash wanders. While you're listening to the show, just scroll down, hit that link in the show notes, check it out, grab that sample pack. You will not regret it. This stuff is incredible. Cannot speak highly enough about it. Make sure, oh, you get that citrus salt too in the sample pack? I'm just looking at this now. The citrus salt is the fucking jam. And of course, when the weekend comes, you can make those element cocktails. Woo, woo. You'll thank me then. You'll thank me then. I promise you will. Check it out. Element.com slash wanders for your sample pack for just $5 covering that ship. And that's all you got to do. Do it. Do it right now. Go do it. Well, in other news, uh, nine-year-old girls are getting pepper sprayed by police. And it's... uh. It's sad to see. Not what you want to see. So let's just check this out here. Uh, we got a video. It's a couple minutes long, kind of breaking this down. I do want to say before we even get into the video, 
that we don't know what happened before or after this video because it was edited by the police, but it's body cam footage. But I, I want to put this out there before we even get into this. And I'm going to try and for anybody who's just audio only, I'm going to try and just describe what's going on here, but you'll be able to hear what's going on quite a bit. So try and think about what it would take for this to be justified. That's the way I look at it is, is what would it take for this to be justified? And, and I, I really have a hard time finding any way to explain that adequately. So let's see what we've got here. If you missed that, he said, you're acting like a child. And she said, I am a child because she's fucking nine years old. I just went back to the house. Stand up, stand up. Yeah, stand up. Then stand up. So they said that she was threatening to harm herself and her mother. Clearly there's some mental health issues going on or some kind of something going on within that family. That's incredibly problematic. But again, it's hard to understand how you can justify why there was like seven cops there. Why can they not just handle it without using force? Right. Or, or, or have a conversation with the kid. Like there's a million things and you're going to hear people like Charlie Kirk being like, well, she just just done what she was told. She's nine years old, man. And, and people, are, people are, are, are confused as to why we would prefer mental health professionals to, to respond to some of these calls than police officers, because this is how it ends up. And we look at this, and, and I just can't, I cannot find a, a justification for this. Why? She's nine. And if she was making threats to, her, to herself or her mother, like there's a, a better way to handle that. Now, of course, you don't have the full information, but again, I ask you to think. What would it take for you to do that? 
What would it take to justify this? Maybe there's a justifiable case. I'm sure there's one out there, but I can't figure it out. This girl's freaking out. And also, what do you think her experience of the police is going to be now going forward? Right. And if, if there was some kind of uh, situation where there was violence in the home, do you think that violence from p- the police, the people that are supposed to protect you, is going to help that in any way? If there's a trauma driven response, is adding more trauma the solution? So these are important things to ask ourselves when we look at this whole thing. And, and this, if more than anything, this makes the case for diverting police spending into mental health services because they don't need tanks. They need a fucking training also. And I'm also one of those people that says these guys should spend way more time training to de-escalate. If you can't de-escalate a nine-year-old, you don't need to be a cop. If you can't detain a nine-year-old without pepper spraying them in the fucking eyeballs, well, then you probably don't need to be a cop. At the end of the day, if you can't do your fucking job, you don't deserve your job. Okay, if I couldn't speak, I wouldn't be doing this podcast. It's that simple. The, now, these two cops were placed, one was on, is suspended. I think the one that actually did the pepper spraying was suspended. The other two were placed on administrative leave. The police union is coming in and making all kinds of mistakes. Let's just point out that police unions are one of the, uh, are one of the worst unions ever. They only exist to protect bad cops. That's it. And keep people from make, informing or uh, creating police policy. You know, that's one of those things where I look at this. If I was running the show, if I was the governor of Colorado, I'd bring in Jocko Willink and ask him what he thinks. A Navy SEAL, a, a, a de- dedicated public servant, someone who's been successful, who's articulate about these things, who understands these kind of things, who understands de-escalation, who understands the cost of violence. I'd bring someone like that in and we'd have a conversation about what the best move is. And that doesn't mean taking away funding or abolishing the police. That means saying, hey, if you're a fat fuck... You don't get to be a cop. I'm sorry. You can't protect yourself and you can't protect anybody else. Uh, if you can't, if you don't, if you're not able to like do basic jujitsu, then you can't deescalate a situation. If you don't spend a substantial amount of your time working on deescalation that's non-physical, you don't get to be a cop. We have to have high standards for these people. Maybe we need less of them that are better. I don't know. There's a lot. There, there's a million ways we can address this problem. But this only piles on. And there were protests after this, of course. They did not get violent from what I understand. This is really interesting to see this all shake out. And, and it's sad. Because now this girl, not only having what seems to be a very challenging family life, now has no trust in the people that are there to protect and serve. So we've sunk to a new low here. A nine-year-old getting pepper sprayed because they can't. Ha- seven cops can't handle a nine-year-old girl. So we'll see. I'm curious... What the what the 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 rights gonna have to say about this? I'm curious what Charlie Kirk and Candace Owens are gonna have to say about this, but uh, I have a feeling we're gonna be fundamentally in disagreement here. Wanted to share that with you guys. Keep your eyes on it. See where it goes. This is something that may not make as much uh, of a splash as some other things, like George Floyd, obviously. But in my opinion, this is actually more egregious. Um, so keep your eyes on it. We'll see what happens. So Brian Stelter over at CNN um, is advocating for censorship of his uh, political opponents. Let's check out what Brian Stelter has to say. It's a pretty long video, but I want I want to break this down for a couple reasons. One, it's a very articulated and maybe somewhat convincing argument for limiting someone's reach, specifically Fox News. Um, it's I think the and the reason I wanted to play this was because. 
this is compelling to a lot of people. And this is why we have the problems we have with censorship today. So let's just get into this and play some of it and see what he has to say. Um, but this guy, this is the same guy who was talking about the lights um, in, in Washington, D.C., being like Joe Biden's arms reaching out to hug the American people. Like this guy, is, he, he's, he's, a, he's a, a Democrat dick writer. So it is what it is. But this is what he has to say about Fox News. Let's dive in. There is up in the sky information pollution. And the polluters are trying to deflect blame. Dishonest cries of censorship are filling Fox's airwaves with charges that these guys right here are being suppressed. The word censorship. So when Tucker and Hannity, I, I despise Sean Hannity, Tucker's okay. But um, when Tucker and Hannity talk about censorship, they're talking about other people being censored, not necessarily themselves. Um, so that's one just uh, misrepresentation right there. It's been invoked almost 400 times on Fox this month alone and more than 300 times on Newsmax. You know, post-insurrection, a book publisher decided that it did not want to be in business with Senator Josh Hawley. So he's been on a national TV tour claiming he's muzzled. And Tucker Carlson is telling viewers that this network, CNN, is trying to force Fox News off the air, which is patently false. Uh. It's as predictable as the sunrise. Democrats win elections, and then Republicans say they are being silenced. But while some cry cancel culture, let me suggest a different... <laughs> or Republicans win election and Democrats say that everyone's racist. I mean, it cuts both ways, bro. ...way to think about this. A harm reduction model. Harm reduction... <laughs> They're doing it to protect you. You can't handle it. You can't handle Fox News. We need to reduce the, the, the potential for harm. It's for your own good. It's for your own good. Most people want clean air and blue skies and accurate news and rational views. And then in that healthy environment, that looks beautiful. So we can talk about Russiagate for three years, even though that's going absolutely nowhere, just so your ratings are, are, are somewhat adequate. Then we can have great fights about taxes and regulation and healthcare and all the rest. The vast majority of people can agree that disinformation about, let's say the pandemic, is unhealthy. It's harmful. So how can that harm be reduced? Well, big tech platforms say they are removing lies about vaccines and stamping out Stop the Steal BS and QAnon cult content. Now, do these private companies have too much power? Sure. And many people would say yes, of course they do. But reducing a liar's reach is not the same as censoring freedom of speech. Freedom of speech is different than freedom of reach. And algorithmic reach is part what of the What a fucking clown. What a now, Facebook clown. CEO Mark Zuckerberg seems to agree. Here's the headline from Politico. He's pledging to depoliticize Facebook. Zuckerberg says one of the top pieces of feedback that we're hearing from our community is that people don't want politics and fighting to take over their experience on our services. That's true. Well, he's, he's several years too late, but, but that is a real issue. And he wants to now try to clean up Facebook. But this is bigger than Facebook. This harm happens all over the place. In the words of a recently fired... Again, let's look at the language there. This harm happens all over the place. Speech is now harm. Speech is now the equivalent of violence. Fox News editor, news consumers are both overfed and malnourished at the same time. Gorging on empty... In Not just news consumers. The fucking American people are overfed and undernourished by real food. Well... Food type substances. I mean, let's let's not cut this just to uh, intellectual consumption. Let's talk about physical consumption as well. If we're going to have this discussion, but you know, whatever the CDC says, right? Informational calories, indulging their sugar fixes of self-affirming half truths and even outright lies. Just capitalism, baby. It, it's impossible to make all those lies go away, but they can be reduced. 
All right? Harm reduction. <laughs> but instead we get this if over If you keep on saying Newsmax. it, it doesn't make it, it any more Biden's true. plan to destroy America. It looks like some crazy comic book movie or something, or some action hero movie. This is incredibly hypocritical. You do the same thing. They did the same thing to Trump. Like, it's the same, it's the same shit. Why, how, do, are you that, do you lack that much self-reflection? Seriously. That's what we get on Newsmax. Here's what we get on Fox. Tucker Carlson declaring that unity for Dems means locking up their opponents and, quote, you can now be arrested for saying the wrong thing. What? And the government is at war with its own people. What? This apocalyptic stuff is day in, day out on these channels. It is part of a radicalization <sighs> pipeline that pits neighbors against neighbor and lets fear overpower courage. You're a part of that. And it Are you serious? Politics. To, to borrow the, the pollution metaphor again, the people who live closest to the factory, who ingest most of the pollution, they get the sickest. But everyone is affected by this toxic information world. Yeah, CNN viewers So as most well. of the criticism of Facebook is not aimed at stopping social media, stamping it out. It's about making the platform actually more social, helping friendships, not ruining them. And most of the criticism of Fox News is not aimed at shutting it down, which will never happen anyway. It's about making Fox better. Putting the news back in Fox News. They keep going the other way. If Fox is going to keep transitioning into the 24-7 Tucker channel, then maybe it belongs next to sci-fi on your channel lineup, not MSNBC. These need to be nuanced conversations, not edicts. When has CNN ever had a nuanced conversation? Really? That, that's, that's the most hypocritical thing I've ever heard anyone say on TV. Not orders. This is complicated, but harm reduction is keep possible. Keep saying harm reduction. Just harm keep reduction saying is it. possible by adding more news and less opinion to the content. Harm reduction is possible by pushing some of the QAnon craziness out of your newsfeed on Facebook. This is not ultimately about freedom of speech. It's about freedom it's of about reach. It's about freedom of reach. Oh, give me a fucking break. And with me now is someone who's thought a lot about this, Nick Kristoff. He's All right. So that's Brian Stelter trying to protect you from yourself. Um, and doing so, I mean, like I said, if you have a particular ideology, that, that's a pretty compelling argument to you. But what's happening, what he's actually doing there is talking about censorship. And he said at a different point in this conversation, talks about maybe Fox News should be closer to sci-fi on your channel listings than, um, than, than MSNBC. <sighs> Guys, you, you these people act like they don't perpetuate the problem. Like I don't, I, I understand what he's saying. I get it, but it's it's the horse, it's a pot calling the kettle black. It, it doesn't make any sense. Like we did the same, we do the same song and dance. If you think that CNN is not as responsible for the divide in our country as Fox News is, you are missing the point. You're missing the point. They pick sides. They speak to one side of an issue. And yeah, most people that watch CNN probably agree with that. But if it slips outside of the CNN airwaves and people like me get a hold of it or Kyle Kalinske, whoever else, like we're going to be like, this is fucking insane. This is fucking insane. You're not more legitimate news than Fox News is. And I don't think either, I don't, I don't respect either one of these people, right? But there's a reason that Tucker, Tucker Carlson has better ratings than anybody on CNN. Right, and there's a reason. Whenever the Cuomo brothers are the ones interviewing, uh, the, uh, Andrew Cuomo's only being interviewed by his brother, like that becomes a problem. There's no real questions there. He doesn't ask him about nursing homes. He doesn't ask him about the real death toll and how it's been undercounted. He doesn't ask those kind of things. He doesn't ask him about nine of his staff uh, quitting. Like, 
we don't have you get you you softball everybody on your side and just perpetuate a narrative in the same way that Fox News does. Now Fox News is pandering to like a more professional wrestling type crowd. So they don't have to pretend to be intellectual in order to to pander to their base. You, on the other hand, and yours, put on a different facade. Put on a different facade of a facade of self righteousness that has been perpetuated since the Clinton era. Right? It's ne- you're neoliberal. That's exactly what you are, and you're pandering to other neoliberals who chose white collar over blue collar workers every time in the past thirty fucking years. So to sit here and criticize Fox News for doing the exact same shit that you do, but not it's, it's not about what they do, it's who they do it for. It's the Fox News viewers that are getting the toxic chemicals of Fox News ingested into their brain. It's, it's, it's comical, to say the least. And it's, it's sad that they can't see it, that they don't see it. They're attacking each other the same way that we're attacking each other, in the populace, and we don't, we don't hold them accountable, right? So that's what we're doing here. We're trying, we're doing the best with this little podcast, trying to hold them accountable. Worth seeing. That's the narrative. That's probably the best, and that's the most blatant way that I've seen it put out there. And this isn't about Fox News. This is about censorship on platforms. This is about, and, and don't get it twisted. You can use semantics all you want of freedom of speech and freedom of reach, but. Those platforms like YouTube, where this is going to be like Apple Podcasts and different things, when you become inconvenient to the establishment, that's when they want to shut you down. The ideas like QAnon ideas that are out there and crazy and ridiculous, yeah, those are less problematic than subtle lies. The subtle lies that seem true. The things that get said over and over again until we believe that they're true even though they're lies. Those are more dangerous than believing that lizard people are running the government. And to think that the most obvious, ridiculous lies are the most dangerous is to nerf down society and allow only the lies that you support to be spread like wildfire. And that is a huge, huge problem. So let's head to the other side of the political spectrum. Some fun things happened on Newsmax with the My Pillow guy, Mike. Lindell. Now, Mike Lindell is um, the guy who sells pillows on Fox News to your grandma. And the pillows are meh. I mean, we have a few in my parents' house. That they, they seem to like them all right. I think they have some of their sheets as well. They got God. I think my grandmother's actually the one that purchased those before she passed away because she was a huge, huge, huge Glenn Beck fan. So she saw Mike Lindell on TV several times a day and loved buying stuff from TV. So we have, you know, I've probably slept on a MyPillow once or twice in my life (laughs) when I visit my parents' house. But he got cut off on Newsmax because he was going a little, uh, he was going a little too crazy for even Newsmax, the right-wing propaganda channel. So let's just check this out. This got really fun and the anchor ends up storming off. Just just, just check this shit out. The uh, company page. Well, first, mine was taken down because we have all the election fraud with these Dominion machines. We have 100% proof. And then I, when they took it down, uh, 100% proof. Recycle, right? And I, then when I put it back up, my personal, I put it. It was a Mike, uh, thank you very much. Mike, Mike I, you're talking about machines uh, that, that we at Newsmax have not been able to verify any of uh, those kinds of allegations. We just want to let people know that there's nothing substantive that we've seen. And let me read you something there. While there were some clear evidence of some cases of vote fraud and election irregularities, the election results in every state were certified and 
and Newsmax accepts the results as legal and final. The courts have also supported that view. So right. we so, wanted so to talk to you about place. canceling culture, if you will. We don't want to relitigate the allegations that you're making, Mike. Jump in here, lady. Let's go. We understand where you are. So let me ask you this. Do you think that this should be temporary because it appears to be permanent? Could you make an argument that it is temporary? What? <laughs> could you make an argument that this could be a temporary banning rather than permanent? No, I want it to be a permanent because you know what? They did this because I'm revealing all the evidence on Friday of all the election fraud with these machines. So I'm sorry if you okay. think it's not uh, Mike, it's real. I, I, can I ask our producers, can we uh, get out of here, please? Uh, I, I don't want to have to keep going over this. Actually, we at Newsmax Mike, have not been able wait, to verify any of those allegations. Wait, that you're, you're, Mike, okay. hold on you a second. Everybody hold on a second. Mike, Mike, hold on one second. Uh, let's talk a little bit about out. just what and is happening <laughs> overall in terms of censorship. Of trying to cancel out my company and myself okay. in this country is cancel culture. Oh, so the, that's, uh, that's Mike Lindell from my pillow. <laughs> the anchor is like, "Fuck this, I'm done with this." They actually brought him on later in the day and apologized to him, uh, and and you know said, "Our our dear friend Mike Lindell is back on the show today." There were some issues <laughs> earlier today. <laughs> what a fucking goober! But he, they're talking about you know, his, of course, his Twitter was taken down. This guy was is a fervent Trump supporter, of course, but just like will not let go. Almost to this, I mean, honestly, he's like a more kooky version of Stephen Crowder, who just won't let go of this election fraud thing. And it, it's it's comical, it's ridiculous, but I I I hope this guy gets a job with a reputable news outlet because he's put his foot down and was like, listen, we can't do this, dude. Whoever that guy is, I hope that he gets a gets a gets a good job somewhere because that was amazing he just bounces out he's like can we shut this off can we get out of here and then he just walks the fuck off <laughs> which is funny because if you know about news they're like wired into that chair so they have a earpiece in and they're like all wired up and he was like nah fuck it i'm out <laughs> mike lindell is such a clown and, they, and the thing about it is too he's lost he, he can't play his commercials on certain channels now like he's basically having to go, no one wants to distribute his stuff anymore um if you listen to the other interview if you are interested in this uh, a bunch of like mattress firm and these different kind of places that carried the my pillow are now not carrying it anymore so he said he's hiring at it at his distribution facilities because he's going up their, their sales are going up i have a hard time believing that because when you don't have massive distribution and, and you're not doing wholesaling well then you kind of uh you, you kind of your distribution drops quite a bit even if you're doing direct to consumer stuff so He's full of shit. He's a crazy person. But this, I thought this was just fantastic because they want to ask him about cancel culture and he cannot stay away from the election fraud. Bruh, it's over. It's done. Okay, y'all brought 90 cases to court and it went nowhere. I'm sorry if there was a substantial election fraud. I would have loved to have seen it. But that's not where we're at right now, dude. You got to move on. You got to go forward. And now what you're doing, in my opinion, is threatening your business and the people that work for you that you pretend to care about. Now their livelihoods are at risk because you can't shut the fuck up, go back to your lane, and sell some fucking sheets, bro. Like that's where you're at. Maybe a mattress topper. Maybe maybe focus, Maybe pivot to mattress toppers. I don't know. Maybe make a, a MyPillow headboard that says Trump 2020 on it, right? Just reminiscing. You know what I'm saying? Like do anything you can do aside from... This, I think maybe make some like, maybe make some race car beds. Who knows? Just start making Trump brand apparel. You, you're going to be fine. But 
Take care of your business first. This is something I have a conversation with about with a lot of people that work that, that don't share my stuff, right? I'm like, people are like, I want to share your stuff, but I don't feel like I, is my audience would appreciate it. Don't share it, right? Because you have a business attached to your brand a lot of times, and this is a, on a smaller scale, but sometimes you got to let go, no matter how bad you believe in something, you got to let go of it because people rely on you for their livelihood. So don't be surprised if my pillow is taken over by somebody else in the future because this guy is a fucking kook. Oh, but that's enough about the crazy my pillow guy. I think it's time for that special part of the show where I give you something to think about. So as Mike Lindell was complaining about cancel culture and algorithmic news feeds, we're in a weird time in the world, as most of you know, but I wanted, this is more of, more of a, a, a segment on encouragement to do something that I find uh, very healthy if you're going to be consuming this type of content, right? I love that you watch this show and I feel like, you know, one of my favorite favorite comments I get about the show or reviews that I get of the show is that people don't always agree with me, but they like to hear my perspective. And that's something that I find uh, that it really is, that means a lot to me. Um, and I hear that all, all the time. And that means, to me, that means I'm doing my job uh, well. But the reason I can do that and try and present a balanced perspective and try and be at least fair, right, to all sides and steel man all sides is because of the way that I consume content. So what I want you to think about this week is, is your newsfeed. And knowing that the algorithm is going to bias certain things, are you able to go into YouTube, go into Instagram, go into Twitter, wherever you go into TikTok and see diverse views? And I don't mean diverse views by race, even though that is helpful. I mean diverse political views, social views, going far left, going far right, making sure, and I know it can hurt to follow someone like Charlie Kirk, for example, who I agree with about 0.3% of the time and just disdain, have so much disdain for the way he conducts himself, but still take the time out of my day to watch what he has to say because it gives me insight into his perspective. And if I can gain insight into someone else's perspective via social media content, because I'm surely not having a conversation with the guy anytime soon, although I would love that, um, I can then start to empathize with their view with their stance, with the way they see the world. And if I cannot understand the way another side sees the world, then what I'm doing is useless. And if certain people can't understand the way that other sides see the world, I feel like their views are useless, but I can still use their views and use their perspectives to give me more insight. So I create more leverage for myself. That to me, I feel is a positive feedback cycle. So I want you to think about this week. Are you able to diversify your newsfeed? Can you go into where you consume the most content and subscribe to some channels that you disagree with? Just subscribe to Steven Crowder, subscribe to Ben Shapiro, maybe you subscribe to AOC, depending on where you land on the political spectrum, right? Maybe listen to what Bernie has to say. Get into that. Even looking at the Democratic establishment, right? Watch a little bit of MSNBC. Watch a little bit of Fox News. Check out Hannity. Check out Carl Tucker Carlson. See what these people are consuming. Understand and empathize. Empathy is never really a weakness. Because empathy doesn't mean sympathy. I'm not sympathizing with the people who stormed the Capitol, for example. 
but I can empathize with them. Like, okay, what would I have to know, think, and believe and have experienced to have that happen? You know what? Let's just take no out of that. What would I have to experience, think, and believe to justify that action? In the same way that we saw the cops pepper spraying the nine-year-old girl, right? The way you look at that is go, but what would I have to experience, think, and believe to justify that action? And if you can look at the at, at news and political commentary and social events and current events through that lens, you end up detaching yourself emotionally from it in a way, which actually gives you a clearer picture at what's going on in that environment and with the opposition, if you want to call it the opposition or just the other side or just other people in general. Diversify your consumption. Diversify your consumption of content. Diversify your news feed. And that means even liking things by people that you don't agree with just so you know that they end up will, sh- they will show up again or maybe dropping a comment. Yeah, I'm not above trolling Charlie Kirk's Instagram. I do it. I throw a comment in there just to, just to rile things up, especially when I'm on it early. <laughs> I have a good time with it. But that ensures that he's going to be to the top of my news feed every time he posts a new thing. I can see what he's angry about, what he's frustrated about. Maybe I bring it on this show and rip it apart. Maybe I go, huh, that's what he thinks. Weird. Maybe in some off chance I agree with the guy on something. But regardless, I try and see what Candace Owens has to say sometimes and try and empathize with how she got to that conclusion. And while I may find errors in it, someone else may be finding errors. You may be finding errors in what I have to say right now. And that's beneficial to you and me. Because we create an environment of openness and dialogue, especially within the Patreon community, to where we can have those discussions and flush those out. And while agreement isn't necessarily the end goal, perspective and understanding very much is. And I feel like that, when I was in the world of personal development, what my main priority was, was creating positive feedback cycles within people's lives. And I feel that that carries over very well to what we're dealing with in the world right now. And we can't rely on the social media companies to diversify the content that we consume. We have to rely on ourselves and take responsibility for diversifying the content that we consume in our lives. And that's what we got for you today. Thank you so much for hanging out. Thank you so much for being here. Make sure to review the show on Apple Podcasts. And if you want to join the political homeless, politically homeless, I can't even talk anymore. I'm done. Politically homeless Patreon link is in the show notes. It's a good time. It is a good time. There is also a link to Element, our show sponsor for today, in the show notes as well. Patreon people didn't see that, but I'll put it in the Patreon for you just in case. Love you guys. Keep your head on straight. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.